Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, June 28, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are reading page 60, paragraph 3, starting at Being Convinced, we were at step 3, and we're reading through three paragraphs to a producer of harmony rather than confusion. We'll be commenting on all three paragraphs. Today's readers are Christine M., Rocky I., Ashley P., Sherry K. B., and Mary H. The reference number for uh, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., Tuesday, June 27, 10 a.m., the reference number is 10092, and the reference number for Tuesday, June 27, no, I'm sorry, for this morning, Wednesday, June 28th at 7 a.m. is 10094. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 steps. Yes, good morning, everyone. This is Christine M., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of each step, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service to my path. Thank you, Christine M. I will now ask Rocky I to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Uh, all right. So good morning. This is Rocky I, recovered in Tempe, Arizona. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop drinking. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Number nine, OA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Number 10, Alcoholics Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion outside issues, hence the OA name and never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12. Anonymity is the, the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Rocky I. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 60, the third paragraph starting beginning being convinced we were at step 3. We will read through three paragraphs ending with a producer of harmony rather than confusion. We'll comment on all three paragraphs. I will ask Ashley P. to begin reading. Hi, this is Ashley P. recovered in Northern California. Elaine, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, thanks. Um, being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. Each uh, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with, most, as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of his world if only he manages well? Is he not evident to all 
Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? I'm just going to set my timer here. Uh, yeah, so this is <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of stuff here. Some really big paragraphs. Um, and when I think about this, I, this is sort of the crux of my daily dilemma. Um, I I want to be in control of it all. Um, and what I have found interesting over the past year is that um, in my in my addiction, that control was sort of overtly selfish or dishonest or manipulative um, and egotistical. But as I got abstinent and and began to work these steps and, and work this program, it wasn't overtly. My my control didn't um, come out in in ways that you know affected my outside personality as much. I didn't seem mean or or selfish, um, basically often a kind person, but I was still constantly just thinking of myself. Um, my thoughts were often on a higher plane. Um, what could I learn from this or what was God's plan in this? Um, what was the light in this? But in the end, and it's something that I see pretty much every every day um, my thoughts were about me and they're selfish and they're about my life and what's going on with me and what I can get and how I can uh, be this way or, or be that way and what other people are going to think about me and yada, 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 yada. Um, they're, they're about me. And uh, I, I see that when um, I... I do my 11th step at night and I, I turn that over to my sponsor. Um, and the problem with that is that eventually I, when I'm this selfish and self-absorbed, I feel frustrated and, and sad or, or disappointed. And um, eventually my food begins to get weird. So the only thing I know to do is surrender, but, on my own, I have absolutely no idea how to surrender. I mean, I think in different ways throughout my life, I was trying to surrender all the time. But I, I can't do that without the steps. And what these steps do, um, and really like beginning with um, the action of step three, which is just deciding to turn my will and my life over is that they, they give me that surrender one moment at a time. They just give me the guidance about what the next thing to do is so that I don't have to think about it. Um, I just, I just follow this program, which is simple, but definitely not easy. Uh, but I'm so grateful for it. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Ashley P. Who'd like to comment on what Ashley wrote today? Jackie B. Ginger C. Rob G. Gail B. Uh, I Jackie got Jackie B. B. I got Jackie B. Ginger R. Roz L. I believe it was, and there were a few more there. There was Gail Sylvia B. Wendy M. Sylvia Wendy, and was there a Jackie? No, there was one other person in there. Gail M. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't get either of those names. Um, Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Christine M. And Christine M. We'll stop with that, and then we'll we'll come back around, okay? I'm sorry if I missed you. We'll come back around. All right. So we're going to start with Jackie B., then, then Ginny R. Hi. This is Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes, Jackie. Hi. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, everybody, for your service today and every day. Um, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx, recovered compulsive overeater one day at a time. Um, I love this uh, 
portion we just read, and I so identified. You know, I was, um, for many years, I thought I was the martyr of all martyrs. Um, I'm so loving, I'm so caring. Why doesn't anybody notice me? Why doesn't anybody realize what I'm doing? Um, today in my recovery uh, and through doing the steps and doing the continuous 10th and 11th step every day and working with others, I come to realize that I was very, very self-centered, very, very selfish, very manipulative, or at least I thought I was manipulating. You know, we always think that we're in control. You know, if I do this, you're going to give me that. If I go out of my way, you're going to love me. If, um, you know, it, and that goes for anybody in my life, whether it's the stranger I just met two seconds ago or the child I gave birth to or the husband that I married over 20 years ago or the sister I was raised with, you know, 50-something years. You know, all of these are the things that I thought I was entitled to. What I realized today, entitlement doesn't mean what I can manipulate, control, or need to fill the hole in my body. What I need is my higher power, the program, and the understanding that if I'm willing to look at my side of the street, my character defects one day at a time, I will be of service to others. I will have a loving and caring life. I will be willing to go to any length. My food is good today. Every time I look in the mirror and I see 163 pounds gone and I'm amazed because I said, I see the twinkle in my eye, not because of the weight loss, but because of the mental loss, the spiritual gain. That's what I get today. So with that, I pass and I say thank you to Recovery and Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you and I pass. Thank you, Jackie B. Ginny R., you're up next, followed by Roz L., I believe it is. Thank you. Hi, good morning. This is Ginger C. With that? Oh, um, Ginger C. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Ginger, please go ahead. <laughs> oh, you. no worries. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, Ginger C. recovered in Colorado. And quite honestly, I don't even feel like I don't know if I can share because my head is spinning. There is so much in these paragraphs that we just read. And um, so I'm just hoping God speaks through me. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to hone in on this last sentence. You know, is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And I just think about, God, the way that I used to do this thing called life. And, of course, it was always around Ginger and Ginger's agendas and what I could get. You know, I thought I was a great people pleaser, but really it was about me trying to please me in the end. And how could I use you to get to that end? You know, it was never about you. And, of course, I produced confusion because I thought you should read my mind. Don't you know what I need? Don't you know? And I didn't even know what I needed. So, of course, there's great confusion, you know, but, of course, I'm expecting you to read my mind and to follow through with my plans the way that I think I'm needing this, you know, to feel contentment and happiness and joy in this world. And just this insanity, and and, and I just, I can't believe the miracles just from following these words in this book. Oh, my God, I was dying in the food. I was sitting in AA 24 years clean and sober, dying, sitting next to you because I was binging my brains out in sugar. And then I went to this amazing convention. Didn't even want to go. And I brought a backpack full of candy. But this loving God had plans for me that I didn't know. And I got there. And then they showed me this big book. And because of the pain, that gift of desperation, God helped me. It was there. I was willing and ready to do anything. And I got a sponsor, and I went quickly through this program and these directions. And I've been reborn. 24 years I sat in a 12-step room. I was not reborn. Today, I am so much more about you than me. And what's most important 
and it's on page 77. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us because we can save lives. When I share my experience, strength, and hope, I see people's nods, heads nodding. They're getting it from their head to their heart just like Evie did with Bill in the kitchen. So if you're recovered, keep doing it like your life depends on it and never fall out of the boat. And if you're not recovered, put the food down and get into action. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Ginger C. And thanks for the correction on your name. May need another one here. Roz L., I believe it is. Hi, it's Roz G. G, thank you very much. It'll be followed by Sylvia F. Thank you so much, Yes, you know, you have... Our leaders brave all these voices, and, you know, it's amazing that you guys get us in a lineup. So thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. I'm you. Roz G. Yeah, thank you. I'm Roz G., compuls- Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles County. And these paragraphs comprise the false self. And the true self comes to light when we are psychically changed and maybe I should just speak for myself I ran my life on all of these character defects for years and later on in the book it gives us so many versions of God the principal the father the employer and here we have uh, the director there's no director here There's just a bunch of egotistical actors trying to do what they want to do in this play here. But without a a director, it's just going to be a mess. And I had that that attitude. I wanted control. And I wanted everybody to be pleased. I just loved when I was recognized for things. I wanted recognition. I pretended to be kind, considerate, and patient when all along in my mind I was comparing myself and thinking I'm better than you. I didn't do any self-sacrificing. I pretended to, but now today I understand what self-sacrifice is. Thank you, God. There's no humility in these paragraphs, but it gives us ammunition or maybe ammunition isn't the word. It gives us the tools and the, 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 the adverb, the ad- adjectives to describe our character defects because step four is coming up. So, yeah, I was selfish. I was controlling. I wanted things my way. I was pretending. I was dishonest. Egotistical can't even begin to describe me. I lived on my ego. And, yes, the show didn't go off so well. I, I ended up in, on welfare for many years, standing in welfare lines, self-pitying because of it, indignant because people didn't do my way, lived in anger for so many years, and angry that the rest of the players didn't do things my way. But thank God all of that, most of that has been removed, is being removed, because I'm doing it slowly. But I understand humility a lot more today, and I understand self-sacrifice a lot more today. I understand uh, boundaries when it comes to food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Roz. Sylvia F., followed by Sherry K.B., please. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your service. And um Good morning, visionaries. Uh, Always happy to be on the line with you in the morning, literally always. Um, This is, I I don't even know if I said, this is Sylvia F. in um, California, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. This meeting is so awesome today, and these shares just speak to these paragraphs. And so what I would like to add to it is, you know, it says we are step three, which is we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. And I didn't even know what that meant. And so finally, what, what probably my sponsor had me write down is turned uh, my thinking and my actions. That's what was my life and 
forgot my timer there. Uh, that's what I forgot. Um, that's what I didn't understand. So my thinking and my actions, and so that was that was kind of more concrete for me. When I read the big book, this was a page, the whole book was a page turner for me. Some people said that they had a problems identifying in. I picked up this book and they were just they were describing my addiction. And when I got here, I was blown away because I really thought that I knew best for me, for you, for everybody at work, for my kids, for my husband. I really did. And um and and I thought my motives were good. It says even though our motives are good. It wasn't until I worked the steps that I realized that my motives were not good. My motives were at, I, of helping me not be in fear, of trying to make sure that uh, I felt loved, um, that I felt secure, that, and, and it was never going to happen no matter what I did because it was an all, all an outside job. I had to heal from the inside out, from the heart and the soul out, and that's what the steps do. And so, um, and I really made a, a muck of work. And uh, I'm living in a new place, and people don't know me as I used to be. And it's so interesting to to um, hear them kind of allude to me or speak to me sometimes because uh, I is I am seen so different than I used to be. And uh, I I had an incident happen over the past couple of weeks where. A friend was coming out uh, to visit, just short visit, out of state, fell, broke her hip, had to have surgery, and my home was the only place for her to be. She didn't have anywhere else to go. And it was not my plan, believe me. It was not my plan. My husband was gone. I was thinking about everything that I was going to do in my alone time. And instead, uh, God had a plan for me. And even when it happened, and I knew she had to come, I laughed. I laugh because that's exactly how God and the universe and this and this plan works. And so I got to have a spiritual uh, journey of showing up for her on a daily basis, also taking care of myself, not not making a martyr, making allowing. Thank you. I will wind up. Uh, not not having to tell everybody what a great job I was doing, making her allowing her to feel comfortable in my home without feeling like she was intruding. I got to show up in a different way and that's because of this step, these steps in this program. I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Sherry KB, you're up. And Wendy, you'll be right after Sherry. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eye Reader. Thank you so much for your service and getting us in line. Yay. <laughs> oh, wow. So... The, being convinced that we're at step three, that's the first thing that we need to be convinced about because what it's saying is the first requirement is that we be convinced that a, any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Um, and for me, mine is the self-will run riot show, the Sherry show. And I love this because it's describing so much of I'll just stay for myself a mix of my personality, the truth about myself, and it's going into detail what my life is like if I let it be run on self-will and, and, and self-centeredness rather than God-consciousness is what it's telling me. Because I, I see myself in these pages. Amazing. I mean, I hate to admit it. Um, you know, I, I just had something happen over the weekend that um, I should have been reading this, these uh, paragraphs um, to remind me of, some of my behavior, the way I was acting inside, though. Nobody saw it on the outside. It's just what I was thinking on the inside. And that's what I really have to watch for myself is my thinking, as which was mentioned earlier. Because when I actually do a step 11 um, at night and during the day and when I pause, I review my thinking. Because I've gotten better about – I've sharpened my, my skill set on my actions outside of myself – but there's still some stuff going on inside of me that I think about. Um, I have a whole, you know, gosh, um, story and lines and everything going on in my head that are still there that I have to ask God to remove it at once. And what jumped out at me is that, you know, this this part of 
wow, I could just go into so many things like life run on self-propulsion, um, but isn't it with most humans that we're more likely to have various traits, which I do. I'm a kind person. I'm a caring person. I'm also a people pleaser of the universe. Um, I've had to work on my control issues. Um, you know, am I not, you know, somewhat at fault, even though um, I blame people more for it, like my loved one? Um, am I not a self-seeker when trying to be kind? Um Am I not acting like a, a, a victim of, of the delusion that my happiness rests on what other people did or didn't do that made me happy? I mean, I could just go on and on, and I've got like 24 seconds left, and there's just not enough time um, to go into this. But thank you, God, I have the steps. Thank you, God. Because you know what? That's what drove all this stuff drove me into the food. Now I drive and I go to the steps. I go to my higher power. I let my higher power run my life. Because if I don't, I'm back in the food. I'm on. I'm in self-will and self-propulsion, and the self-will is the voice of my disease. And thank God, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Wendy, you're up next. I'll ask if you could please share the first initial of your last name, and you'll be followed by Christine M. Good morning. Yes, hi. It's Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. I'm so glad to be on the line. Thank you all for your service. Um, these are by, full, by far my favorite passages, um, and they are, when I read them, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, is somebody following me around? How do they know? I had, you know, and we say we only know what we only know, and I didn't know what I didn't know before program. I didn't even know there was the word resentment in the um, dictionary. I had no idea. Um, so what comes up for me in these paragraphs? is two words. One is fear and the other is control. And um, I wish I could tell you I was perfect, but I'm absolutely not perfect at all. And these paragraphs remind me um, of what it is I do, what I did and what I still do to try to control you so I can get my way. And my my favorite, um, I have a couple favorite moments here. Um, One has to do with... um, what is it says? Um, I'll be kind, considerate, patient, and generous. Sure, I'll do that. Whatever it is to get my way, because I do not trust that I'm going to get my needs met, and I must get my needs met. It's just like the eating. I had to eat. It was not a choice, and I have to control you or anything that moves so that my needs will get met. Because I don't trust they're going to get met. And it says here. Um, no, oh, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, I might be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. I mean, again, it really doesn't matter. But I was such a people pleaser. I really buried my anger. I wasn't actually, um, well, I was selfish and dishonest, let's be honest. Um, so I just love that I'll do anything, you know. And in a text, if I need you to write me back immediately or give me what I want to hear I'll like send 10, what do they call emojis? Like I'll send you a ton of smiley faces, like whatever it takes so I can be really nice so I can control you, so I can get what I want. And if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to dump you. We're going to move on. Um, So I just, and I I just love looking at my text. And now what I do um, in a more recovered state is I delete all of that. I delete all of the, considerate, patient, selfish, dishonest. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, And the other thing um, I want to say is I love the if onlys. If only people would do. I spent my life if only. If only you. I was so passive and so passive aggressive. My life was about, well, if you would do that, then all will be well. Um, And I'm currently working on a couple projects, and I'm noticing how much I'm in fear, and I want people to respond now Um, And the reason for that is I haven't gone to God this morning. I need to go to God because it's all a God thing and it's all a trust thing. It's all about trust. It's all about a leap of faith. It's all about faith, Um, knowing all will be well um, and God's in charge. So thanks for letting me share it and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Wendy M. I believe it was Dale B. that I was not catching. So, Dale, you will be up right after Christine M. Christine? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Christine. Um, I'm gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. 
Um, and these these paragraphs are just are just so packed with um with such valuable information. It's just so powerful. Um, you know, before going through the work, um, I thought that you know I was a victim, I was a martyr, and that you know oh I'm always trying to please everybody else, and um, you know I'm such a great person. Why is everybody doing these things to me? Um, was my thought, my constant thought. Um, and reading this, page 60 to 63, was the beginning of me being able to see just how selfish and self-centered that I, I was and that I still can be if I'm not properly connected to a power greater than myself and living in 10, 11, and 12. Um, and it talks about the first requirement that we be convinced that any life well on self-will can hardly be a success. And for me, I was taught to personalize this. Um, the first requirement is that I be convinced that any life run on Christine's will will hardly be a success. And um, personalizing it really helped me to see that, yes, this is me. I was like a bulldozer just going through people's lives, you know, um, a lot of manipulation, a lot of fear, like what's already previously stated of not getting my needs met. And because I wasn't connected to a higher power that I trusted would give me what I needed, I thought I had to get in there myself and fix and control and manipulate. And, you know, um, I was kind of like, you know, you were kind of, people were kind of like my puppets, you know, I'm going to do this or say this so that they're going to do, they're going to react this way. And, um, you know, when I'm in my disease, people are just resources, um, resources for me to get what um, I need to get, you know. And today I understand that, um, that, that that thinking was sick and it's disease thinking and, um, and I am selfish and self-centered and the book talks about destruction and self-centeredness, you know. So I am so grateful that these steps are here and that, you know, all my life I've been a taker. And going through the work of these steps and getting connected and staying spiritually connected, um, I'm starting to be more of a giver. I'm able to get out of my selfish and self-centered head for five minutes and consider how somebody else feels. And that's truly a miracle of God in this program um, because there's no way that I can do that by myself. And, you know, I'm starting starting to turn from being, you know, from I this and I that to you know, you and how I can be of service to you and how I can help you. And when I am stuck in selfishness or I am stuck in the fear that I'm not going to get my needs met, um, I can't, my timer just went off, I can um, do a 10th step and turn that around and then reconnect in step 11 and then work with others in step 12. I'm so grateful that there is a way out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine M. Dale B. Good morning, this is Dale B. And um, the line that, that comes for me this morning as being really important is he is not a victim of the delusion that he can rest, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can rest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages it well. I think that I will use, um, I'll put the label on myself of being task-oriented and I'll make my list for the day and, um, and have at it. The problem with that is it is my list. And when I get into that um, kind of action in my life, I'm just focused completely on what it is Dale wants to accomplish. And um, I'll, like, for example, I have a task like watering the flowers, and I'll get out there and I'll be watering them, but I won't notice what I'm doing. I won't be connected with the beauty of what is before me. And what is so important to me about hearing this again today is to notice when I get into that behavior, that when I'm out there watering those flowers, my higher power's out there too, all right. But um, while I'm focused on the task, my higher power is part of all that's beautiful. 
So what this, um, I'm real grateful for having this visual this morning as I hear hear this to, to really, as I do my spot checks throughout the day, recognize am I in am I in the task or I am I living the service? Am I connected with the people that I'm with I'm serving? Or even like the flowers, the things in nature that are beautiful. And so I think um step eleven is one of the one of the ways that really helped me move from the task orientation into recognizing that, yes, my desire is that I am turning my will in my life over to God. And this isn't something that I can, I do get up in the morning and do it, but I can be 30 minutes down, down the path of life and be right back into the task. So it's something that it's awareness for me. It's, a, it's practice. And the steps, the meetings, um, everything about this program helps me return to my higher power, to being quiet inside, to listening, and to so that my journey is is one moving in the direction of the person my higher power created me to be. Thank you so much for letting me serve this morning. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Thank you, Dilty. We have time for three more shares. Who'd like John to comment K. on what? John K. Anne, Lori S. I heard Brittany and Lori. Jody. Um, so it'll be John K., Brittany, and Lori. I wish we had another hour to listen to all of your shares. Mm-hmm. It's been so great this morning. So, John K., you'll be up next, followed by Brittany, please. Good morning, uh, John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Thank you, Wednesday. Um, you know, this whole turning it over, when I first came in the program, boy, that was baffled me for a long time. What did it mean, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's especially hard if you're struggling to find a belief in a higher power, you know, and especially one, like it says on page 45, that'll help you with your problem. And it took me a long time because I sort of did come in from that sort of atheist route and had to come to believe in something that would help me. And, you know, today I have a much more, you know, stronger belief in a higher power than when I came in. Uh, you know, you can't be in program for 35 years and watch the number of coincidences, quote-unquote, people's lives and not find yourself believing in something, you know. But, you know, I think for a lot of us that came from dysfunctional households, you know, turning it over requires a certain amount of trust. You know, and in my life, child of alcoholics, you know, a control was almost essential. You know, it felt like a matter of life and death to me. And certain times in my childhood, you know, it uh, sort of was. And I also came from a household of narcissists where self-will and self-seeking was what was modeled to me, you know. And if you live in a home full of me-first people, uh, you either become one of them or you get shoved to the side. So, you know, turning it over was such a tough concept for me when I came in. I later came to flip it around. I came to look at it based on something I read in the AA 12 and 12, so that instead of thinking of it as this active turn it over, I went into a more passive concept of just removing the blockage of self-will, because these paragraphs that are here and the ones that are coming are all about, you know, self-centeredness and the, the root of our problem. And, you know, my best thinking and my self-will brought me the sorry state I was in when I first dragged my butt into my first 12 program. As my old sponsor used to say, how's that self-will and control been working for you? Well, you know, not very well. But, you know, this concept is hard. I mean, we, we should acknowledge, you know, we're, the program asks us to essentially reverse things that are inbred in us. You know, self-preservation, self-concern is the driving force in all animals for the most part, you know. You know, for all I know, I'm descended from some caveman who, you know, shoved his best friend in front of a saber-toothed tiger so he could live. And, and, and you know, but we're asked to, to try and rise above the level of animal and rise into a, a slightly higher level. And we're asked to put our self-will on the shelf, especially if it's hard because it's it being asked to do that where no other people, uh, you know, other than 12-step people have to do that. But we have to if we want that long-term recovery. Because, you know, someone living in that stressful life that I lived when I first came in, and which is described in these paragraphs, I'm trying to run the show and do everything, 
that stressful person, that stressful life is going to make us want to relieve that stress. And we all know how we relieve that stress, right? It's by eating. So at the end of the day, these things that the program tells us to do, while they seem self-sacrificing, are actually selfish in that it will help us stay abstinent, sober, and clean. With that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. Brittany, may I please have the first initial of your last name? And you'll be followed by Lori. And I will also need your initial, Lori. Okay, I think I'm unmuted now. Uh, M, as in mom. <laughs> okay, Brittany, please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, Brittany M from Washington State, uh, compulsive overeater. Um, yes, I can completely relate to what it is we're reading, and even more so now, um, you know, working the steps. Um, are we not self-seeking even if our motives are good? I had the experience um, a few days ago working, you know, working through these relationships and seeing my part in them. And one of them came up, and I was like, "Wow, um, there there is a potential to cause a lot of harm in this relationship." Um, I'm being selfish, and so I got a bright idea that, you know, this will end in pain. I might as well rip the bandaid now and and um, cause the pain. Mind you, I didn't run this by a recovered fellow. Um, hindsight and talking with others about it, um, just recognizing that I, I am not familiar with uh, being a partner among partners. Um, somebody pointed out 53 in uh, page 53 in the AA 12 and 12. Um, developing true partnerships. You know, I've always tried to be either on top of the heat pile telling you what to do or hiding underneath relying on you. And um, someone else I spoke to uh, uh, taught me about the, the four absolutes. And I think that this is a potential filter to help me to develop these partnerships. Um, honesty, seeking the truth, unselfishness, what can I do for the other person, love, what can I give of myself, and purity, and, you know, doing the right thing. And um, there was a quote, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something to the effect of the peace and the contentment that comes from a pure conscience, um, and then the joy and the, the help that we bring to others by following this path and, and um, seeking uh, another way. So, um I thank you to all my partners out there. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Lori, may I have the first initial of your last name before you share, please? You certainly may. I'm Lori S., standing by the shore of beautiful June Lake, California, gratefully recovered. Uh, reading this passage always makes me think about what I do for a living. I'm a music teacher. Of course I'm in control of the whole show. I'm blending all the instruments, all the groups. I better be in charge. Just realized this morning that the actor's story is really the story of my life as a child. I had a uh, difficult upbringing. What did I do? I created my own show, literally. I had a wonderful fantasy world where I was in charge. Everyone adored me. Everyone loved me. Until something struck and I needed to go to the sugar bowl and the chocolate and the dessert that was always at home. And this story brought home to me that I need this program. A year ago, I was convicted that this is what I needed was to recover from my food addiction. And I am grateful right now that I'm at the same place, but now I am recovered and I'm grateful for all of you. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you very, very much, uh, Lori S. We have just a moment or two, so I'm just going to share some quick thoughts. For me, also, uh, reading, personalizing this reading with, you know, um, I am the director. I want my own way. I practice patience and consideration and kindness and generosity and modesty and self-seeking. And then when I don't get my way, I become even mean or egotistical or selfish or dishonest and all of this is because I want what I want and I want it now. 
And that means that you have to line up and change. And a life of manipulation and control, an unlovely, unfulfilling, unsatisfying life, because those things that I thought I wanted were the things that I thought that I needed. And uh, I have found a better way. Um, Rather than discovering that food was my problem, it was these underlying things, all of these methods that weren't working. Food wasn't working, and these methods weren't worth working. So I had to be willing to throw away the conceptions and beliefs that I had that, in fact, I was raised in. You know, this is how you manipulate. This is how you control. This is how you, you know... um, this is how you live your life. This is how you're successful. <laughs> and um, boy, they weren't working for me anymore. And uh, I thank God for the desperation I had around the food that revealed to me the desperation that I had in my life and the change that can come. People know when you're being manipulated. People know <laughs> what your motives are. They can sense it. They can feel it. But uh, to turn and to serve others and to serve God and to be still and pause when these things come up and do a 10-step if I need to, this is a plan for living that I really like. And serving a higher power that truly knows, he knows my wants, but he knows my needs and is able to give me what I need. And each day, that's access to ease and comfort. And the way that I find it is very different than how I thought I could find it by managing you and this world. (laughs) And so with that, I'll pass. And it's time to close our meeting. So I want to thank everybody who has shared. We're going to close with the reading in the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I'll ask Sherry K.B., to please read a vision for you. Hi, Siri KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovered Compulsive by Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.